What's going on, folks? It's Fretz here from the Game Changer Podcast. Welcome to Fretz's Fave 5. Now, before I get into my topic this week, uh, only a couple of you know what it is. Uh, I just want to briefly say a few things. Uh, I support and I believe that Black Lives Matter. I believe in equality and equal treatment Regardless of your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, your religion, your ancestry, your political views, etc. I often don't know what to say in, in difficult times like this other than cliches like I love you, I'm praying for you, and I'm with you. But please know that I actually mean this. <clears throat> Through recent of because of recent events and light of recent events, however I would word that, help me out. Help me learn. I want to showcase my fave five black wrestlers. I felt that it was appropriate. I, I consulted a couple of uh, African-American friends who are wrestling fans, and they said, I don't see why not. So here you go, folks. I'm giving you my top five black wrestlers. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Ahmed Johnson? Well, no, here's the thing. Ahmed Johnson is getting an honorable mention on this list. Because when I was a kid, and I started watching wrestling around the time Ahmed Johnson came to the scene, I thought he was one of the coolest wrestlers ever. He was explosive in his personality, in his in-ring. He would just absolutely ball over guys. Maybe he was a little crazy or unsafe in the ring, but 12-year-old me was eating it up. And Ahmed absolutely also deserves a nod because he is the first African-American to not only hold the Intercontinental title, but any singles gold in WWE and unfortunately a series of, of injuries uh, cut his career short and kind of robbed him of a, of a proper main event run. I mean, right before his uh, kidney problems flared up in 96, he was poised to have a WWE title match. Now, I don't know if they would have done face versus face with him versus Shawn Michaels, but maybe if things lined up and attitudes lined up, well, Mike Michaels, as I mean, uh, we could have seen WWE Champion Vader versus Ahmed. Now, I know we saw that match on TV, but throw a title in that? Get in. So, big time honorable mention 
goes to one of my first childhood favorites, a man I think I saw wrestle live in Barrie, Ontario, Ahmed Johnson. In, in the words of Ahmed Johnson, you're going down. That sounded more like the bulldog. I'm sorry, I'm hoarse. I just ate. <laughs> okay, now to actual number five. Well, I'll be damned. Damn! I had to put in Ron Simmons, aka Farouk, one half of the APA, uh, former WCW champion, actually the first African American man to hold a world championship in wrestling history. Uh, Ron Simmons defeated uh, Big Van Vader for the WCW title at, I believe it was. Beach Blast 92 or 93. I am actually going to look that up here. It was 1992. Now, Simmons, he spent the first half of 92 feuding with Cactus Jack, with whom he defeated at Super Brawl 2. Now, on August 2nd, at a house show in Baltimore, Maryland, a title match between Sting and Vader was canceled after Jake the Snake Roberts kayfabe injured Sting. This prompted WCW President Bill Watts to hold a raffle to determine the number one contender. Ron Simmons won that raffle and defeated Vader with a snap power slam to win the title. And, oh, he was the first recognized African-American WCW champion and the second African-American wrestler to win a world title. Uh, there is, uh, I believe that was Bobo Brazil, although some speculate and dispute, much like, you know, Pat Patterson winning this title in Rio de Janeiro to become the first Intercontinental Champion tournament, I mean, jeez. So, yeah, Simmons held the title and feuded with the likes of Cactus Jack and the Barbarian. Uh, and then, I think, yeah, Vader regained the title in in December. So he had a decent run, maybe five, six mo months as the WCW champion. So that's really awesome. Uh, where I got to know uh, Farouk was when he joined the WWF. Now, as I said, around 96, I was watching Monday Night Raw almost weekly, although it was on past my bedtime. I would tape it, watch it the next day, or sometimes, once in a blue moon, it would be on a replay on a random afternoon. That wasn't that uh, wasn't the case the following year, because TSN would pick up live Monday Night Raw, so from 97 on, I never missed it. Now, he joined uh, the ranks of the WWF as Farouk Assad, some kind of gladiator-ass character with some gladiator-ass theme, and for some reason, he was being managed by Sonny, who both succeeded and failed in managing tag team champions, the Body Donnas, the Smoking Guns, and the Godwins, respectively, all of which won tag team championship under her tutelage. So, there's that. We were thinking that Sonny was going to bring someone else to the promised land. 
but this new gimmick really didn't stick and the gladiator outfit was really gaudy it was really lame uh farouk was kayfabe some someone from a rival gang from ahmed johnson's past and uh farouk would jump ahmed johnson kayfabe causing his already pre-existing kidney problems and led to one of the wildest and strangest rivalries of all time with Farouk and Ahmed Johnson and all these street fights. One one such took place in Chicago at WrestleMania 13 with the Nation of Domination going up against Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of Doom in some really crazy match. I mean, he got World Warrior Hawk and Ahmed Johnson who would just cream dudes in the ring. <laughs> just absolutely stiff as heck. Uh, yeah, Farouk, uh, I, got, I got a real kick out of him when they started forming the Acolytes Protection Agency, the APA, the t-shirt that said, always pounding ass. Hello, random person yelling outside. Um, yeah, so yeah, Farouk would have a decent career in the tag team scene. They uh, He would hold the WWF Tag Team Championship, I think about four times with with Bradshaw. Actually, they were also OVW Tag Team Championships as well. Three-time WWE Tag Team Champion. Here it is, Wikipedia, with Bradshaw. And unfortunately, after Bradshaw broke out onto his own as JBL in one of the worst gimmick transformations of all time, yes, I said worst. That's going to be for another day. You know, uh, Simmons was nearing the end of his career. He would have the odd match on heat and maybe, like, velocity. And eventually just be phased out, get a more of a backstage role, bit behind the scenes, and would always end up as the guy that says, damn. Just, you see a whole bunch of weird stuff backstage, like Snitsky and Feet and Mae Young and Goldust. And then all of a sudden you see Ron Simmons. Damn! And just an absolute storied career that he had. You know, he was in the Ministry of Darkness. He was in the Nation of Domination. And then he broke out of the Nation of Domination, more like he was ousted by the new leader, The Rock. They had an, a feud. I was going to say an interesting one, but it wasn't really. Uh... Farouk had like a phantom intercontinental title win, I think, over The Rock. And then he began tagging with Too Cold Scorpio. Kind of got lost in the shuffle until sometime in 98 when he started tagging with Bradshaw and became the Acolytes. These mystery, mysterious assassin type guys that would wear this Gaelic print or Latin or I don't know what it was on their chest. And before he, they joined the ministry, they were managed by Cyrus, who was, I forget what his WW, the Jackal. He, they were managed by the Jackal, a.k.a. Cyrus. Simmons, just an absolute, absolute low-key favorite. One, one, of, one of the best. And his uh, collegiate background in uh, football, 
really showed in the ring. Oh, and he was one half of Doom with Butch Reed, managed by Teddy Long. That that's a throwback. You want to you want to get some cool tag team wrestling? Look up Doom from uh, from WCW. Number four. For he is limitless. Ah. King Ricky's doppelganger. The current North American champion. Although I am recording this just 20 minutes before NXT TakeOver In Your House airs. He might not be champion by the time this airs. Although I believe I predicted Keith Lee to retain. Yeah. Okay. So as of this recording, <laughs> he is the North American champion. I believe he's going to be the NXT World Champion by this time next year. Now I have King Ricky to thank for discovering Keith Lee because he would often be found singing his praises on the Kings of the Rings podcast, Kings uh, to Evolve shows, and I thought this guy sounds cool. I'm a Google him. And then, by the time I I was Googling him and, you know, finding more and more about him, he signed with NXT, I think around this time last year, maybe just before, and Keith Lee, he's like a young Mark Henry, if Mark Henry can move like Kofi Kingston. A big, got 300 some odd pounds, maybe. Like, the body type of Mark Henry, yet he can pull off, like, a moonsault. Or, uh, like a plancha of the outside. This man is amazing. He is insanely gifted, insanely talented. Very, very charismatic. I mean, his, uh... Little Gargano mocking promo on NXT this past week with with Mia Yim, or was it the week before? Like they get like Gargano's pizza. It tastes like mediocrity, and Johnny Gargano is like the same size as his action figure. And this is a man I see huge, huge potential with. Did you see the end of Survivor Series last year, or I mean the men's match? The men's match. Roman gave him a rub. Yeah, he might have got pinned by Roman, but Roman made him look like the beast he is. Oh, that's in his glory. Not only is Keith Lee going to be the NXT champion, COVID be damned, I believe in the future. We are going to see Keith Lee as the WWE Champion. This is a man that has a main event on the main roster written all over it. He's big, he's talented, he's charismatic. And you know, Keith Lee is also a great humanitarian as well. He's smart, he can cut up a promo. This guy's awesome. Thank you, King Ricky, for bringing attention to him on WrestleMania Radio. Tell your doppelganger I said hi. Now, 
still trying. Wrestleatic Radio! Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous six-time champs and former Intercontinental champ and NXT champ and feel the power! I'm sorry. That was bad. It's Biggie. Now, there's a reason why you didn't hear three ain't enough. No, I need five at the beginning of this show. Well, not only because I wanted to have a bit of real talk, but also because Big E is number three. (laughs) That rhymes, and I totally did that on purpose. Now, Big E first broke onto the scene through NXT. And I believe he was the second or third NXT champion. I know he held the title in there somewhere. And of course he made this whole thing famous about wanting the five count, kind of bringing back a King Kong Bundy-esque gimmick. Now Big E is another big, talented guy who didn't think he could dive through the ropes, but he can. Although that spear he does through the ropes sometimes looks horribly unsafe. Big E is one of the most charismatic wrestlers WWE has right now. You can see it shine through his New Day skits, through that his much better intro that I absolutely butchered and should delete. But I won't because I hate myself and I want you to laugh at me. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyways. Big E. I mean, this guy has been on the main roster for eight years now. Maybe seven? I can't remember. He, he, I remember him coming in as a heavy for Dolph Ziggler and Vicky Guerrero and winning the Intercontinental title and then forming the New Day with, well, someone that's going to be uh, a bit later on this list, maybe. Now, Big Big E is not only that, he is funny. He's a humanitarian. He is a brilliant man. No, listen to him on on the New Day pod. He's poignant when he needs to be on the show. And he's also funny. The guy's the whole package. How he isn't a WWE champion at this point in time is baffling. But I think there is still time. He can absolutely be that. He's only 34. So he's got a good career ahead of him. And the man is a powerlifting champion as well. Now there's so much more I can say about Big E. Like his run with the New Day when they started off like these weird these preachers like you're gonna be preachers and thank you Ricky again I'm gonna give Ricky a shout out in this again because he got me into the New Day pod and that list of proposed names for the New Day I'm not gonna spoil it turn me off right now go listen to the New Day pod it's one of their first or second or third episode look up 
the proposed tag team names list and come back to me now. Okay, did you hear it? Wow. Wow. You know, they had a great program with the Dudley Boys at Hell in the Cell. Uh, they had a killer match against the Usos. I mean, New Day and the Usos, what an amazing feud. And I don't know if we've seen it, but I want a Keith Lee versus Big E match. Just picture the beef in the ring there. So Big E is my number three. Now on to my number two is Booker T. Can you dig it, sucker? Oh, Booker T. Now for me, I came around to Booker T when I started watching WCW in uh, 96. He was then part of Harlem Heat with Stevie Ray, uh, who I believe is his actual brother, if I'm not mistaken. And for a short while, he was managed by Colonel Robert Parker before Sensational Sherry, rest in peace, uh, took the role. And I always saw something special in Booker T. You know, uh, Stevie Ray uh, eventually turned heel and joined the NWO. And once I saw that, I, I said that Booker T was going to be a champion, even when I was like... 13 or 14 whenever it happened and lo and behold Booker T became the WCW TV champion having you know matches against Perry Saturn, Rick Martel, Disco Inferno, Fit Finley and then of course he moves on to the finals of the United States Championship Tournament uh, and then he lost the TV title to Rick Steiner. This is around 97 to 99. Then finally, he got his singles push in around 2000, 2001. And then it was through that and a little bit in WWE that he became a five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion. I can't do um, impressions that well, as you can tell. So Booker T was someone I thought was always insanely talented and entertaining, can cut a great promo, can get the crowd in the palm of his hands, whether he's doing a spin rooney whether he's... Um, calling people sucker, what, or whether he's just being outright funny. I mean, uh, one, one of my favorite moments with him is a promo that he did with The Rock uh, leading up to SummerSlam 2001. Yep, during that infamous invasion angle. And you had uh, The Rock's talking about taking Booker T to school. And he's like, I imagine you a young Booker T in school. 
What's two plus two? Does anybody know? Yeah, I know. Thomas Jefferson, sucker. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Booker has a great face run after the invasion, and he tags with gold dust in one of the best uh, makeshift tag, tag teams. Uh, what's that? Oh, that that term that, that strange bedfellow tag teams. Yeah, I was just trying to think of uh, the term that Will Terrashuck uses all the time. Shout out to Will. Uh, and I found it kind of funny that Booker T adopted the book and AKA The Rock Bottom in WCW because you know The Rock was the big draw on the other channel, and Booker T was coming into his own. Yet he was using the Uranagi. I mean, well, who didn't use the Uranagi in the early 2000s? And of course, you know, Booker T had the feud with Evolution. I am not even going to touch that feud with Triple H because, well, quite frankly, it's not an appropriate time. And it was, yeah, it was insensitive. Bordering racist. And then if we go on... A few years get getting lost in the shuffle up and down. If there's one thing Booker T is, it's adaptable. King Booker. Ah, oh, man, Booker T, going from just a regular guy, going from you know. Booker T, sucker! To a king. To royalty. I think is one of the best gimmick transformations of the Ruthless Aggression era. Shout out to the Ruthless Aggression podcast. How'd you like my Pepsi Blue? <laughs> so Booker T went on to win the 2006 King of the Ring, defeating Bobby Lashley at Judgment Day 2006. Then, of course, he would finally, finally reclaim the title that has eluded him for all these years. The World Heavyweight Championship, a.k.a. Big Gold, a.k.a. WCW title. And Booker T, through this, became the 16th Triple Crown Champion and 8th Grand Slam Champion under the original format in the history of the WWE. And Booker T was able to turn the King gimmick, which is usually a death sentence, which is usually chicken shit, and he turned that into the best chicken salad you've ever eaten. Now, King gimmicks have been played out. Almost overplayed. You can look at Jerry the King Lawler. Owen Hart didn't really run with it, although his coronation as the King of the Ring in 94, which Nate and I just reviewed, awesome. 
he did run with it and call himself the King of Hearts. King Mabel. Trying to think of some. King Harley Race. Macho King. You get it. All these people took with it and ran with it for a bit. Booker T was able to really adapt to this, change up his Texan accent to the ye old English, and even have you know his wife Queen Charmel run along with it. And I'll give him this. I booed the crap out of him because, well, that's what good heels do. They make you boo him. Now, I didn't see any of his uh, run in TNA, although I was shocked and marked TF out when he returned at the 2011 Royal Rumble. Since then, of course, you know, Booker T becomes... Uh, an analyst. He had a little bit of time on commentary, and his his commentary is a hot button issue because he's a little bit uh, nonsensical, a little bit rambly, a little bit of shucky ducky quack quack, and uh, oh, Alex Riley, make my fave five of the week. And yes, this is actually how I kind of came up with Fretz's fave five. I kind of I thought about Booker T on commentary. And I tried to make something that is a bit of an alliteration that rolls off the tongue a little bit. So Booker T from Harlem Heat to King Booker is number two on my all-time uh, African-American black wrestlers. Number one, well, this one might actually shock you. You wouldn't have thought it. But my fa all-time favorite black wrestler... Is this an all-time list? Yeah, let's call it that. Let's call it an all-time list. Kofi Kingston. That's a shocker, isn't it? Kofi was a guy. I grabbed onto right away when he debuted on... ECW back in 2008. Yeah, back when WWECW had that new superstar initiative, which meant we got to see the greats like DJ Gabriel, Ricky Ortiz, Braden Walker, Zack Ryder. And Kofi Kingston. Now, this is one of the most athletic, talented wrestlers I've ever seen. Now, I always wanted to see him succeed. And I almost thought we were going to get that Kofi push. You know, during that feud in 2009 with Randy Orton and, well, stupid happened, unfortunately. 
then finally last year. An image I will never forget. Although I think I wasn't very Um, Colby The first African-American WWE champion. And the fact that it took until 2019 is staggering. When you had talent like Oh, I'm start uh, uh, like Ron Simmons. I just had him on my mind. Gosh. Hey, you know what? If he didn't get injured, Ahmed Johnson. Well, one could argue Bobby Lashley in the mid-aughts could have had a run with the belt. But he was the WWE CW. No. WWE CW didn't exist. Actually, that's a lie. There was some good stuff on there. Anything outside of the Elimination Chamber Pot match. Yeah, but... 2019. Wow. And... Kofi Mania was just the hottest damn thing in the company. And I was so stoked. I was so happy. And when I saw Kofi win, you know, I, I remember that image, as I said, I'll never forget, of MVP and the late, great Chad Gaspard embracing and crying. And as soon as I saw that, I thought of my of my friends, uh, my black friends who are who are your wrestling fans. You know, like Ricky and Wade, and just being so happy for them. Kofi's always been one of those really inspirational guys, a great role model for the kids because. He's a father of a couple of young lads himself. He's a role model. And he is, like Big E, I almost put the entirety of the New Day on this list. I was very close. Because I like Xavier Woods a lot too. And also for his up, up, down, down stuff, which is amazing. Kofi was always that guy. He was always in... The title hunt, whether he was in the Royal Rumble match and his famous Kofi spots, like with the office chairs or walking on his hands or standing on a stack of pancakes. And in the words of Mafu from Botchamania, pancakes is not flaw. Uh, or whether he was in Elimination Chamber title matches or Elimination Chamber matches that led to WrestleMania. You know, last year's being an example where he was in the final two with Daniel Bryan and almost won it. Came that close. And then one year he was taken out by Edge. And Edge won. He was a multi-time Intercontinental United States Tag Team Champion. And he finally found a bit of a stride in the New Day because his fake Jamaican accent 
that Triple H called him out on on TV, which was kind of funny. Shtick was getting off, was getting odd, off, old, old, that's what I'm saying. Cut that and it's in. And then the New Day came along. Sure, and as, as I said earlier, McMahon's, you know, like, you're gonna be preachers. But it became more than that. The New Day, their gimmick, I can't describe to you their gimmick. It's an anomaly. I mean, you have you have three African-American funny, charismatic guys who throw pancakes or a box of bootio cereal or come out in a giant bowl of cereal or ride unicorns and have a trombone and play video game music on the trombone. I see you, Xavier, playing... Final Fantasy VII's victory music on that trombone. I see you. Ugh, Kofi, though. He was always trying to get to, uh, as as Will would put it, to top-tier talent. And he finally got there last year. Kofi Mania. I mean, his title run was great. I don't want to talk about the way he lost the title... Although it was perfect for the heel heat and the like, IWC heat as well. Holy crap. I probably was a part of that. But anyways, Kofi Kingston. Number one all-time favorite black wrestler. Apologies for the audio kind of losing here and there uh, i'm still learning how to use audacity <laughs> yeah i'm still not very good at it so thank you very much for listening to this special 15th edition of fretz's fave 5 right here on the russell addict radio patreon page where you will you will also get love and war you will also get some fantasy bookings from nate the effing great you will get, oh, Zach, what do you call it? Secret Files? I forget what you call your show, buddy. But yes, you will also get Patreon content from the Young Lions perspective as well. And Mance, I don't know what you're doing, but it's good to see you uh, kicking around on the network again, buddy. I hope you are well, my friend. So if you want to uh, help me come up with a topic, if you have a topic you would like me to cover on Fretz's Fave 5, please hit me up in the comments and please tweet me at the legendary JF. However you choose to get to me if we're friends on Facebook. I don't F around on Facebook, especially now. Uh... Holy crap, social media is a hellhole. Yeah, hit me up with a DM, and I will absolutely get back to you. I might be a little busy because, well, yeah, I am I am still here, up in here in, um, oh man, I am losing my words. <clears throat> Let me start again. Cottagers are starting to come up again, and I do believe that short-term rentals are starting to creep up a little bit, so that might give me more hours at work, which I am absolutely in favor of. So if I don't get back to you right away, that would be why. 
Coming up next for me is the 20 Bell Salute for June 2000. Of course, that is my 20-year look back on pop culture and wrestling. And in a very funny twist of fate, pun intended, because the Hardy Boys are on that show, <laughs> I'm going to be reviewing King of the Ring 2000 twice. Once on the 20 Bell Salute and another time on the Game Changer Podcast. I'm tired because I had just watched NXT TakeOver in your house. I actually recorded half the show before and half the show after. And yeah, in your house was awesome. If you want to know what I thought, well, you're going to have to look at my Twitter feed or better yet, listen to the Game Changer podcast with good brother co-host Nate, the effing great, this Saturday on Wrestle Addict Radio. So... That is it for now, folks. Um, Hope you enjoyed this. This is a topic that, well, I wanted to cover because, well, of everything that's gone on the past week with, you know, with George Floyd, with protests and Black Lives Matter. And, yeah, I I felt that I, I wanted to to cover this very very topic. I had a little blurb of real talk at the beginning. I'm I'm just going to stop stop now. So folks, thank you. God bless you. I love you. And of course, Black Lives Matter. <laughs>